Hello, and welcome to the Unnamed Automotive Podcast. My name is Sammy Hadjassad, and with me is Benjamin Hunting. Say hi to the people, Ben. Greetings, human listeners. Greetings, indeed. Ben and I are a pair of automotive journalists, and we have a lot of really cool cars to talk to you about today, and some uh, interesting topics to go along with that as well. Isn't that right, Ben? That is definitely correct. Okay, so let's talk about cars first. Ben, you're driving something that's actually really interesting in context, but... Also fairly interesting without it. Could you tell me about this Cadillac that you're driving? Oh, so this week I have a, uh, a 2017 Cadillac CTS-V. Uh, Holy cow, a car with 650 horsepower? Is it 650 or 640? Oh, I don't know. Does I don't it make know. that it much of a matter. difference? It doesn't. It's a supercharged LT4, uh, 6.2 liter, I believe, V8 engine. It's the same motor you'll find in the Camaro ZL1 um, in slightly different tune. And mm-hmm. I believe it's uh, – where else can you find it? It's in the uh, Corvette Z06 as well. Yeah, so real all of Chevrolet uh, GM's most powerful vehicles are, are using this engine. And you've got one of them. You've got one of the most powerful vehicles that GM makes. It's true. Um, and uh, that's, that's the interesting part without context. Now, the interesting part with context is that you have a CTS-V but a first-generation one. I do. I have a first... The first year they came out was 2004, and I own a 2004, and um, the only option you could get that year on the car, there were there were only two colors. There was silver and black, and the only option was a sunroof, and I do not have a sunroof, so I have a zero-option CTS-V. And it's a six-speed manual transmission, and it also shared its engine with the Z06 that year. In fact, it was the only... There were only two cars that had the LS6... 5.7 liter V8, and it was the CTSV and the Z06, and uh, I bought it seven or eight years ago, so it was maybe three years old, four years old when I bought it. I'm not so good at math, and uh, yeah. I I've been looking around for um, I wanted something rear wheel drive with a V8. I've been out of fast cars for a while because I had a really bad car accident and uh, I I got away from fast cars for a few years, and I felt I was ready, so I drove a bunch of stuff. I was looking at E39 M5s. And I was looking actually at Corvette Z06s, and I drove a Corvette, a C5, a 2002, and it really wasn't for me. It just, I mean, it was fast, but it, it didn't feel like my personality. And then I drove a, uh, a later um, CTSV, like an 05 or an 06, and I really liked it. Uh, it was great. Um, it's uh, stealthy. I mean, if you don't know what it is, it's easy to overlook it. It's really fast. I, I used to track the car on a regular basis. It has a great chassis. I've made a bunch of mods over the years, but nothing too extreme. It's got um, sway bars front and rear from Hotchkiss. It's got a LS7 clutch in it. It has a short shifter, um, air intake. Not 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 much. Um, okay. And and it's a it's it's been a, a very good vehicle to me. But I can tell you, uh, that was 13 years ago, right? Right. Yeah. So I mean, that's what's interesting to me is like, you you've got this car that really does seem uh, interesting. You've had it for quite a while. I mean, I don't know if you're one to hold on to cars for this long. But, I will be buried uh, in this car. You you really do like this car. I'll that never much. sell it. No, okay. I'll never sell the car. So that means a lot. And now you're you're taking a look at a modern take on this car, right? Yeah, it, it's the you modern know, take. One of the reasons why I bought the car is because flashback to like 2007, 2008, which is around when I bought it, things were kind of grim in the auto industry, Sammy. Yes, I remember those years. Okay. Um, it really kind of felt like horsepower was on its way out. Mm. There was a lot of uh, none of the companies had money to invest in performance. The, the recession was happening. Uh, V8 powered cars were very thin on the ground, and what you could buy was stuff like the Mustang, which had 300 horsepower back then. It was it was still at that limit. Mm. 
if you wanted even a, a German V8 like BMW, the M3, the E90 and the E92, I guess, uh, they didn't have a whole ton of horsepower either. In fact, I think it was something like 370 horsepower or 400, mm-hmm. 414 horsepower, but like 270 pound-feet of torque, like really yeah, low-torque motors. Yeah, really weird low-torque numbers. Yeah, so they they rev really high. Uh, and I wanted to have – the, the other thing that was disappearing were manual transmissions. Yeah. And I wanted a car that I could drive every day, like a sedan, but I also wanted something that I, that I shifted myself – and that had V8 power. And I, I kind of looked at that generation CTSV as the last of the real pure muscle cars because there's not a lot of, there's really no technology going on in terms of chassis control. It, it has a, uh, a performance driving setting you can use on the stability control, which I do okay. use on the track. Yeah. But you can turn everything off. There's, there's nothing intrusive about it. Okay. And it's the kind of car where if you make a mistake, uh, you'll pay for it. It's not a forgiving vehicle. Um, and that appealed to me and flash forward to 2017 and that is and no we longer were way, the case. We were, way, we were way wrong. The horsepower only got more, uh, Cardiff became only, only more interesting and, uh, we can find V8s and everything. Yes. But only <laughs> half of that is true. Okay. Yes. The power is there, but the driving mm-hmm. experiences are radically different. Uh, okay. Every car today has huge amounts of electronic layering between the driver and what's happening under the wheels. Okay. Uh, I, mean, I might I might disagree with you mainly because I've got a car this week that might uh, that has that says otherwise. But yeah, that we'll car talk about says that otherwise, later. but it also doesn't have high horsepower or a V8. That's true. And it, okay. I'm pretty sure it has an electronic throttle. Yeah, we'll yeah. talk about that in a minute. We'll talk about that in a minute. Talk to me about the CTSV, this new CTSV that you won't be buried in. So the new one is a much more expensive car. I think that mm-hmm. when my car was new, it was something like sixty grand, and this one starts around eighty-five. Holy moly! Yeah, and the one I'm option I optioned mine up, and it's around 92. Uh, and aside from the much huge, huge, huge horsepower differential between the cars, I mean it's 240 more horsepower. Yeah. Um, it comes with an eight-speed automatic transmission exclusively, so it's the first generation of CTSV to have that. Uh, the the previous one and the original both had manual. I mean, mine mm-hmm. was manual only. The second generation had a manual option. Mm-hmm. The uh, this car does not. It's still rear-wheel drive. It's much bigger. Uh, it's not a lot heavier because they, they cut a lot of pounds off. The second generation car was Porky. This one, I think, is just above 4,000. Mine's uh, 3750 as it sits now. And, okay. Uh, the, but the big difference is it's wider and it's longer. It's it's a yeah. big car. It has huge It's a impressions. very imposing vehicle. It's totally imposing. It's got crazy like cutouts in the hood. It's got mm-hmm. car. It's got the carbon fiber package. There's this wing on the back and splitter on the front. And I mean, you look at this car and it, first of all, you don't see very many of them. Uh, it's yeah. a rare car. My car itself, what that was another thing that attracted me to it. They only sold 200 a year in Canada for four years. And in the U.S., I believe they sold 7,000 or 8,000 across the same period. You rarely see them. And that's important to me when I buy a car because I just like you know having something that's unique. This car is a similar kind of thing. They, they, they sell more of them, but uh, you don't really see them as often as you see M cars. Okay. Um, and let's talk about this new one then. Is this is this enjoyable? Are you are you in, are, do you see the the transition that Cadillac has made from then to now? Enjoyable is a very relative term. Okay. The way I see it, this car is infinitely faster than my car. So so uh, flashback two years ago when this car came out, I think it was two years ago. It might have been last year. I don't remember. Um, that's the last time I drove it was at the launch event, which took place at Road America. 
which is a racetrack that's basically three straightaways connected by 90 degree corners. So <laughs> it's it's a very, very fast track if you have a high-speed V8 car where you can, you know, take full advantage of, of the torque. And the car was incredible on the track. It was, it was absolutely amazing. The grip was fantastic. The power was outstanding. But you're not nearly as connected as you are in my car, the original CTSV. For one thing, you're you're the computer's shifting for you, mm-hmm. and for another, just like it feels so much more insulated. And just driving around town, uh, this is the first time I've had the chance to use the car on a daily basis. And there's three or four different sport modes. I, I mean, sorry, driving modes. I, I want to say snow doesn't really count to me as a driving mode. It's it's just you know to reduce your. Uh, reduce your throttle response and whatnot but um there's sport there's touring and there's race and if you go into race you can also use ptm the performance traction management which is something gm sprinkled around all of its high performance vehicles so you have like five different settings in there for how inter how much intervention you want from traction control it also gives you a launch control feature that works very well but when you're driving around in sport mode the car just feels not i don't want to say bulky but like it's chomping at the bit like it really wants to be you feel it holding the gears. You feel the the heft of the the torque under the hood. You feel the size of the car around you. It's it's much easier to drive it around in touring mode. It's it's not. But the only problem is you don't get the 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 sport exhaust sound that I like. I, I realize I'm kind of ranting here. I, I guess what I'm saying is, the car is very very different. It, the 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 ATSV is far more similar to the original CTSV both in terms of size and power. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can get it with a manual. You can get it with a manual. It's one of the uh, few remaining. Um, cars in its class with a manual i think just that and the m3 uh and the m4 those two vehicles uh you can't get a c63 you can't get an rs4 with a with a manual transmission but um this car has clearly been kicked up market it's it's an executive sedan with crazy performance and i like it it's gotten it's done it's misfired on me a couple times this week i was driving felt a little weird um the Cadillac Q system doesn't load as fast as it should, and it's a little bulky to use. Yeah, that's always been the case with Cadillac Q, though, right? Like, but it, it's never yeah, it's not it's not the best. Uh, it's not it's not as terrible as people make it out to be, but it's it's not great. Okay. Um, but the the car, I mean, <clears throat> I don't know. I I don't know if I want one. Okay. To be honest. Well, let's let's just break it down here. Your first your first generation VTSV, you said it felt like the like a last true muscle car. Like and, a live, uh, and it's a lively it's a lively road racing chassis. That car or this car? My car, the their your first car. generation. It's very very connected to the road. So that's what I mean. Th- that's a very interesting take. A lot of people think like muscle cars don't have a lot of feel to them. They have a little bit more like heft and float, um, and well, it, they, it helps they the, make I, great I mean, noises and they go very fast. Well, that was true of when 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 the first generation CTSV came out. It, so it's not truly a muscle car. I mean, it's a sports sedan, and it okay. was be, it was tuned, tuned on the Nurburgring. That's where Cadillac took it. It was the first time they'd ever done anything like that. They they had a really really terrible sports sedan in the 90s and the early 2000s called the uh, the Katera, which was based oh, on the Opel uh, yeah. Opel Omega, yeah. which was it was just a terrible car. It was not competitive whatsoever so cadillac learned their lesson and they're like we got to do something we got to we want to grab people's attention so this when they the first ctsv was it was kind of a shot across the bow with bmw because it was much more powerful than the m3 of the time but it was aiming for that same type of buyer and the same type level of handling the fact that it has a v8 kind of gives it the muscle car feel i've always felt that the c63 also kind of felt like a muscle car because of how much torque it had even though it's clearly also a sports sedan but um 
when when the Cadillac came out, you were looking at Camaros and Mustangs. Uh, actually, you weren't even looking at Camaros anymore. They they weren't on the market. Right. And those had live rear axles. Uh, they they were heavy. They weren't really designed to, to turn a, a corner. And the Cadillac was very different in that respect. And, you know, it's funny because you can't really take my car to the drag strip either. They have a very weak rear differential. And uh, they went through four different generations of rear differential to get one that wouldn't explode when you did a clutch dump. Yeah, so I have the fourth generation one in my car. I still don't drag race it. I never do clutch, clutch dumps. It's it's all for road racing is what I use it right. for. So it, it even couldn't you couldn't even really line up beside a Mustang unless you were doing it from a roll. Right. Okay, then how much of that personality is maintained? Is does the car still feel like a like a muscle car? Does it still feel like it has that that ability? Because the or it does it feel like a sports like a true sports sedan? It feels does like it a supercar. Feel, it yeah, feels like that's straight up say. like a four door supercar. Like this is it's it's a car that's frightening to to I would think drive at full throttle on the street. I've not done it yet. I mean I've I've hit it a couple times on the highway. I have driven it full throttle on a racetrack where you have the room to make mistakes. But um, wow, there's just so much, 600 and whatever horsepower is nuts in a speed setting. I mean, that's what you said. You said this car is much faster than my old one, and it's I was like, so it's much not faster. just faster than your old one. I don't know what car can't wouldn't be able to like what car would be able to outrun it or keep up. I think it's um, 3.9 seconds to 60. I think that's what the and my car was 4.9 or 5, so that's already a full second. And a in full terms second of zero is, to 60, that's one thing, but. Everything else, like I'm sure the car accelerates from from already highway speeds even even quicker. Oh yeah, I'm sure it's a 190 mile an hour car. That wouldn't surprise me at all. And um, that's that's frightening. Like that's that's a huge amount of momentum in a car that big. Um, that's um, that is pretty cool. I'm I'm into that. I I think that's uh, that's interesting. But it seems excessive, especially at that price point you you put at. And is there enough? Is there was there a time when somebody said that's enough? Like. It's excessive. When is that time? It's excessive, but it's not excessive when you compare it against uh, an E63 or a, a BMW M5 or even an S63. Uh, if you want to start talking about size, okay. not this is not prestige, obviously, or features. But these are all comparable cars from a performance perspective. So I think that it's well priced. Um, I think that. Cadillac's had a rough time with the CTS because I think the regular model, when it came out, they didn't price it as a Challenger brand. They're like, okay, we're no longer Challengers. We're going to go toe-to-toe with BMW on the 5 and, and the E from Mercedes and the, the A6. And I don't think it worked out so well for them. But I don't think that the... I don't think the CTSV for the performance it offers is overpriced at all. I mean, you're starting at like 85. It's 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 a sub 100k car that does nearly 200 miles an hour and has 650 horsepower. I mean, that's that's kind of a bargain. Yeah. So I mean, like, I can't even I can't even I can't even think of like where this would measure up. The, the numbers sound insane. Um, the size sounds like like another element to it as well. So like, where do you even how do we even like put this on a scale somewhere else and say, oh, it's as fast as this, but it's also as practical as this. And it well, I mean, it's 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 a this. direct it's it's directly taking on the M5. I mean, right. you can look at it that way. The M5 is an older car now. But the M5 are expensive, are they not? They are very expensive. I'm thinking. I was thinking something near a hundred thousand for those kinds of cars. Yeah, probably. I mean, what we were driving a 540 that was nearly a hundred thousand. So yeah. Um, so that's that's a very interesting um, take on the vehicle, and uh, I, I I'm glad you shared that with us and uh, and got the chance to to drive a car, a newer iteration of your car. And again, sorry sorry changed. for for ranting about that. It's just you know. 
yeah. all these years it's just been pent up inside me and, and now i get to turn the tables on you because you also happen to be driving a newer although similar more similar i think but but more refined version of the car that you also own yeah that's right this week i'm in a toyota 86 i'm in the 860 edition which is a limited run version of these cars um, it is a, and I have a, I have a 2013, uh, Scion FRS, which is the first model year when, uh, that vehicle came on, um, over here to North America. And, um, I bought, I gobbled one up. I loved it. It was, uh, it was one of my favorite cars to, to buy. And unlike you, who was saying that, uh, you're running out of, um, like high performance vehicles with V8s and that sound and that torque, what I wanted when I bought my car was something that had a very pure, uh, driving experience, a new car with that pure driving experience. And I felt similarly that we were losing all of our um, grip on, on not not literal grip, but like our actual feeling in these cars uh, and engagement with with modern sports cars. And especially we weren't getting anything on the low end of the price price range. And uh, the, the FRS at the time, when I drove it, it felt like nothing else uh, I had driven at that price point. Um, and if anything, it felt closer to maybe even a Porsche Cayman, which is twice the price of, of the Scion. It was just so direct feeling. It was absolutely a joy to drive. And it really like disappeared once you started driving on your favorite road. It just felt like you were it was just you on the road and the car got out of the way and let you do whatever you wanted to. No, I completely agree. I think the, all of those thoughts uh, were what I felt, too. But the first time I took a, a BRZ, which is an almost identical car on the mm-hmm. track, I mean, it was it was a revelation. And so this week I'm uh, I'm taking part in a comparison between the MX-5 RF, which is a hardtop version of the uh, Mazda, the popular Mazda Miata, and uh, we'll be taking it to the track to see how it fares against the uh, uh, Toyota 86. And um, right now I've got the 86 parked in my in my parking spot, and I still love this thing. Um, <laughs> it's it's you know what though I don't agree with all of the changes that they've made, and in one in a couple of ways they've almost already bolstered their strengths and ignored their criticisms um, the car that the car that the car has received um, the car handles a, a bit better it's a little bit more uh, predictable in terms of the way it uh, rotates and, and can be pushed at the limit which is nice it's always a, a very comfortable feeling but it's not like the car ever ever handled poorly am I wrong at saying that it it was an easy car to get to to drive and it was a lot of fun and it did everything you wanted it to right? Yeah, I, I never really felt that there was anything lacking from the car in terms of, of handling. But here's here's how I feel about that. Um, you know, automakers have to balance daily driving needs, warranty concerns, and performance. Mm-hmm. And if you're someone who values one of those three things more than the other, you can always go to the aftermarket and start tuning the car to your preferences. So I'm never really too hard on a car company when it's making a sports car uh, and it comes out with whatever the final formula ends up being. Right. You're jumping ahead of me here because the, the criticisms on this car, I didn't mention it, the criticisms of the car that most people have is it either doesn't have a lot of torque or power, um, and nothing has changed in that in those areas. Uh, the car gets a mar- very marginal bump of power, uh, which is just five horsepower as opposed to your car, which over the years got 240 more horsepower. Um, to be fair, 13 years. I mean, how long is the BRZ and FRS? Five, five years. Yeah. So just wait, just wait. In in ten years, it'll have twenty more horsepower. <laughs> um, and uh, the other thing that they did with um, in the Subaru versions uh, of the special edition vehicles, you can get a performance package um, with these improved brakes, Brembo brakes, um, which sounds good. But why does a twenty seven hundred pound car really need 
that much brakes, you're never going to need that unless you hit the track. And that's where this car really uh, shines, and I can't wait to uh, to really test it against uh, one of its biggest rivals, the MX-5. And even on the track, a light car doesn't need a lot of brake. Um, no, it's all I've about been... maintaining momentum, right? Well, yeah, and, and also the fact is on the track, you're going to be the, the, the number one thing you're going to be fighting is heat. Mm-hmm. And and heat will translate into fade and problems with your brake fluid. So you need a brake fluid that can withstand heat. That's like a twenty five dollars solution at a parts parts store. But if you have decent pads, you're really not going to need. I don't really see the need for more braking force uh, in a lightweight car. So it's 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 a show off item, I think. Um, my my Cadillac has Brembos as well. Yep. Uh, my Cadillac also weighs a thousand pounds more than your <laughs> yeah. your FRS. So like that's I, I on my Datsun I've had a, I have like single caliper piston single piston calipers sorry yeah. at the front of the car and drum brakes at the rear right. and it stops just fine it's not an issue the car weighs 2200 pounds you know and there's people who put six piston Wilwood brakes on on these Datsuns and I don't understand it like it's why not just drop an anchor out the back yeah that's also <laughs> a lot of weight um, it is it is and it's it's unsprung weight too so the the other way the other elements of the car are fantastic. I love this is still one of the best steering uh, setups in in the industry. I don't know how they did it, but it just is really well balanced. The only thing I wish they had listened to I don't know if maybe I'm the only person who criticizes the clutch in this car. It uh, engages a little high and it feels like an economy car at times, and it's really unbecoming of a sports car. And I know that sounds ridiculous, but most of these cars they're designed with this driver feel, like very driver oriented. Uh, cabin and, and ergonomics, everything is like at this perfect distance from each other um, that you can operate it easily. But then this clutch operates, at, uh, like engages at this unbelievably high uh, point and you're just like, this is awkward. Well, um, yeah, you know, you're probably seeing at that point, uh, it's probably parts bin. You that's know, a shame, a, right? That's a, that's a very but, essential part of a sports car experience. But it's an affordable car and they have to keep the cost down somewhere, right? That'll be the argument that comes back at you. Yeah. So that's yeah. that's where they chose to do it, and that made the car possible. You know, like it's it's at some point you have to let go, and uh, I agree. So uh, on my my Cadillac, which is not a a parts bin car. Oh, I mean, yeah. I guess it is because it has a Chevrolet motor, <laughs> <laughs> a Corvette motor, yeah. a Corvette motor. But uh, the, the the transmission is garbage. The 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 shifter, I'm sorry, is is absolute garbage. It was vague, horrible, one of the worst you'll ever encounter. And everyone in the Cadillac community knew that, and everyone changes it. There's a couple companies that were making short shift kits, but there was a guy on a Cadillac forum I was on who made kits himself, and that's the one I went with. And the it's. It's a 3,000% better shifter. Yeah. And you have to ask yourself, why didn't Cadillac fix that? Yeah. Like, this is this was their marquee sports sedan. It was their only sports sedan. And they came out with this compromise. So you're going to find it anywhere you go. Uh, I mean, I have I actually did this uh, ex- pretty much the exact same thing in my car uh, because it engaged that way as well. And I said, like, this is insane. And there was somebody on the forums who had a, a little uh, DIY walkthrough as to how you can adjust um, the placement of that pedal, and uh, it it came it came out a million times. And everyone who drives it says this is unbelievable. Like this is the way it should have been from the factory. When, um, when I went to when I went to the LS7 clutch, which is a, a, a yeah. higher performance. So the the Cadillac also here's another another. This isn't really cost cutting, but this is kind of an indication of where the mentality was at Cadillac at the time. So nowadays, no expense has been spared on the CTSV. 
Mm-hmm. It has a ridiculous drivetrain. At the time, it was the only car to have that. Uh, they dumped a ton of money into it. But when they made my car, they weren't sure whether Cadillac drivers would want to have a high-performance car. So they hedged their bets, and they gave it a uh, a clutch with a, a dual-mass flywheel. Mm-hmm. And, and the flywheel weighs 50 pounds. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it's terrible. On the track, it would heat up, and the clutch pedal would stick to the floor. And I'd have to reach down, typically when cornering, because that's when I was downshifting, pull it up physically with my hand <laughs> so I could so I could get out of gear. And obviously that's not a sustainable solution. And so what I did was I went to the LS7 clutch, but the LS7 clutch is great. I've never had a problem with it, especially with heat. But the, the, the pedal travel is maybe like an inch and a half. Yeah. <laughs> so getting it in and out of a garage or having anyone else drive it, is not easy. So it, it's it's all these weird design decisions that accumulate over time, and you understand why some are made and why others aren't. It was nice to take that 50 pounds out of my car mm-hmm. and put in the much lighter LS7. Another issue with the first-gen CTSV, <laughs> all of the engine mounts were liquid-filled because they were, they were worried that the Cadillac owners would be like, why is this car vibrating so much? I'm scared of this car. Yeah. So they made them liquid-filled, but they put them very close to the exhaust headers, so over time they would dry out, crack, all the liquid would come out, and then everything shook like bananas. <laughs> okay. And any changes to that? Well, I, I put in, I have poly mounts for all my suspension and transmission bushings. Everything is poly now, and I went, I went to poly for the engine mounts too, tore those in half, and then went to a different set of poly, and they've been okay since then. But it's funny, if you open the uh, the owner's manual, there's a page that says, this car is equipped with an aggressive camshaft and may shake at idle, and also the uh, shifter might shake. This is normal behavior. Do not call a dealer. <laughs> um, and the, the new car yes. shakes at idle, too. As much? No, but I'm surprised okay. it shakes at all. Interesting. Uh, because with that extra price and that extra size, that extra, it looks like they're going for a different market perhaps but i kind of like it it's like a little callback to, to the there past. you go one of the one of the few callbacks okay um in the 86 we we're talking you're talking about um uh some weird you know decisions the car has dual zone automatic climate control and i find but it's that the size of, isn't the cabin the size of a postage stamp yeah the cabin is tiny i don't understand how my how my i don't know how they can even adjust that temperature so much in such a small place but it, there's just so many weird, you know, quirks there, and it's still, you know, we're talking Toyota. If you wanted to, you really wanted to, to impress your fans, uh, maybe Android Auto or Apple CarPlay or any kind of navigation. No, 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 it's all Pioneer. It's just Pioneer everything. Oh, because the infotainment system is still a piece of junk. I, I actually prefer my my buttons. My I have a ton of buttons for my info, uh, for my net. What about what is it called? My head unit, and this is a bunch of touchscreen like touchscreens. Everything's operated through just touchscreen. I remember the the first BRZ the first BRZ I ever drove that had that terrible Pioneer unit and the yeah. power button was right next to the volume button so every time I would try to up the volume it would just turn off the steering. Yeah. <laughs> it yeah. was like sending me a message. Yeah. <laughs> um but otherwise the car is uh, is still fantastic. Uh, I I mean I have very little to complain about. I still think it's one of the best performing cars um on the market uh for the price. It's, it's a very raw experience and it's, it's unlike anything else you can get. Um I've likened it very much to if you've if you're into that, but you're not into like rear-wheel drive. I think the Fiesta ST is always a similar approach to a vehicle. It's a uh, tight package with uh, lightweight and uh, and very fun to, to, to play with. But, you but don't I, find, with, I yeah. find the Fiesta ST is a very frantic car to drive, drivetrain-wise. Okay, and you don't and think the that, FRS, or the sorry, the new 8.6 has that? No, not at all. I feel like the, the 8.6 is a driver's car. <laughs> I don't feel the Fiesta ST is a driver's car. I think it's a... 
Anytime right. you okay. take it was never designed to do what it's doing and um a lot of people like it, but it's you know, you're you're working around the front wheel drive, you're working around the economy car routes. I just think it's a different animal than the FRS. Well, I mean, I, maybe I was silly, it was silly of me to say that. I mean, truly, the it's the never silly is, to speak your mind, Sam. Is is this driver's car, and that's why I bought it. It was just it felt like this really uncompromised vehicle. I mean, we're clearly pointing out some of the compromises, but it was uh, it was a perfect ride for me. Um, I also just came back from a Hyundai drive in San Diego. Uh, I played around with the brand new 2018 Hyundai Sonata, and uh, we spent a little bit of time in the Elantra GT as well. I understand you've driven the Elantra GT recently, and uh, I think you as well have uh, driven the Sonata, but we can't talk about it until next week. What I do want to talk about is uh, two things about the Sonata, the way it looks now, and uh, one of the features that it has. Can we talk about the way it looks? Briefly. Okay. Um, When... The Sonata became really popular. It was with this really um, unique look. When it, it sti- when it came out, not very many cars were doing this four-door coupe design, and the Sonata came out and did it in 2010-ish, er- that era. As well, it had a very unique configuration of its headlights and its grille, where they kind of interacted with each other in a very different way, um, a very noticeably different way that really caught people's eyes. So as a result... You have this really funky-looking midsize sedan uh, sitting alongside the Camry and the Accord, and for buyers, that was a really easy way. That was a really easy decision to to make. Do I want the cool-looking one or do I want the established old guard? And, and then a, they walked away from that. What do you think? Buyers walked away from it, or you? No, think, I think Hyundai yeah, walked. Away Hyundai from walked it. away from that design so dramatically into this into this. Oh, it's such a difficult way to describe the... I would use the, words like dull, boring, or derivative. The, the, the 2015, the, that's the, the seventh generation vehicle, um, lost all of its gorgeous appeal with this, ref, they call it refined, but ut, ut, utterly um, just derivative styling to everything else in the segment. However, now is the refresh. In 2018, the refresh has come up, and you can see a little bit of those changes happening uh, to the front end, where they're kind of recalling that um, more unique, diverse uh, look that they had in the past, and I think that's a good thing. And that's what it's what the car should have looked like if they were if they were trying to uh, not alienate buyers anymore. Oh, for sure, I totally agree. I think that it's you know it's a positive step. Uh, it's a much more purposeful looking car. It's not as individual as that you know two generations ago one, but right. it's a step in the right direction. Now the other thing I'm glad you agree with me. I can't believe you you did. I was uh, I was nervous that I was bringing up something uh, a little controversial, but I'm I'm glad that somebody else sees it. Um, the other thing that they did is um, a feature on the trunk lid. So this is an interesting thing. A lot of cars have um, a button or a latch to open up the trunk, and it really it really disturbs the the flow, if you will, of the design of that trunk. Um, obviously it's a very functional piece. You need to, you need to open your trunk somehow. Um, but Hyundai has removed that latch and actually integrated a button into the Hyundai badge. Basically, when you look at the Hyundai badge, it's an H in a circle, uh, and you press, uh, the, the segment in the H, um, in the upper part of the H and the trunk just pops open. It's this really cool hidden feature that, um, it's, uh, honestly, it it really made me smile. I mean, that's a very small thing, but uh, I'm glad that they did it. 
Uh, and it made me think of all the other weird, small, hidden things that you find in, in vehicles, either that we wish was hidden, because that's a really cool feature to be hidden, this trunk lid button or this uh, trunk latch opening, um, or that we've seen hidden already. For example, uh, I th I'm sure you've seen some of these Cadillacs have a, a hidden storage compartment behind the dash. Um, does your Cadillac, that, do you have that now? I don't think I think the only vehicles that have that from GM are the uh, full size SUVs. I think the the Impala had it too, and the um, the ATS might have it. I don't remember, but I don't think the CTSV has it. And it's a very small it's a very small compartment too. It's you can put like... a cookie in it. I used to put cookies in it, and it keeps them warm because there's a lot of heat in the dash. Uh, <laughs> and then a friend of mine a friend of mine pointed out you could also put a gun inside there. Okay. Uh, I don't know what the legalities are of that, and I'm not advocating it, um, but uh, yeah, <laughs> there's that. <laughs> That's good to know. Um, speaking of other things you can hide uh, stuff in, the SCA products have this uh, trick seat, uh, passenger seat, where you can it, they like flip open and there's a little storage bin in there. It's a pretty sizable storage bin. Uh, the Dodge Journey's had that forever, I think. Yeah, the Dodge Journey. I think the Dart had it. Um, and probably one of the other Dodge vehicles. How many Dodge vehicles are left now? I guess the Durango might have it? I don't think the Durango has it. Okay, so maybe they're out. We're, we're done with this, huh? I, I'll check next week. Okay. Oh, you've got the Durango next week. Well, I'm driving the SRT Durango. Ooh, the very fast one. Okay. Um, what else did they have? I know my, my car has, uh, I don't know if you've heard this, a sound tube that, um, that resonates some sound from the, from the engine compartment into the, into the cabin. And uh, there's actually a perfectly sized plug in the um, glove box that covers up the output of that tube, so you can turn it. You can essentially turn it off in a very analog way. I have a uh, question for you. Yes. If I were to resonate some marbles down that tube, <laughs> yes. Would there ever be any way to get them out again? <laughs> I don't think so. What so they're there forever. Yeah, they're forever. So you'd have to sell your car. Is what you're saying? Yeah. Can you not do it this time? Yeah. Uh well, you know, don't leave your keys lying around. <laughs> Um, I always think about there's a lot of like hidden features that I think cars should have and like okay. you know one of my favorite hidden features is uh, it's no secret that I'm a big fan of the movie Fast and Furious Right. and in the first movie in the first racing scene where um, uh, Dominic Toretto is up against Brian Earl Spilner he, D Toretto's driving this FD a Mazda RX-7 and he's about to lose the race but surprise surprise he pushes the AC button on the center, center stack and his hazard light pops out and it's like a cylinder and on top of that is the button for his nitrous there's no reason for this like he could have just had this nitrous button anywhere but he pushes it and he wins and i remember like i was 21 when that came out i remember thinking wow dominic toretto's really he's really got things together he's got this like car where everything's hidden and like sleeker than brian's like red button taped to the steering wheel kind of thing and i was like so impressed by it but now i feel it's like a little over the top there's no real need for it like yeah, it's definitely it's not movie like, magic movie it's complexity not like a, yeah, well, a cop's not going to walk up to his car and be like, you know what, I thought you were a street racer, but I don't see any nitrous buttons. I just yeah. see huge graphics and giant veil-side body kit and this huge wing on the back. And then they're not going to let him go because of that. Uh, I like the idea of buttons doing different things. I wish there was, like, the, you know, like, sport, the sport mode button in cars? 
in a sport already sporty car, I wish that wasn't there. It should do something else. It should tell yeah, like you. In the, like in yeah. the M5. Like, <laughs> it's just ridiculous. Like, it, come on, man. Like, don't make me. I mean, I paid how much for this car and I, I don't have access to all the power? Like, it <laughs> seems wrong. <laughs> the car should come with that much power from the get go. So the sport mode should do something else. It should make the car more, like, I don't know. It should uh, tell you the latest sports updates or something like that. Wow. It should just, like, flip into this next mode. What other features do you think should – hidden features do you want to see? I'm not sure. I'm trying to – Like, I'm something that's not up. obvious. Like, I'm, like you're in the car and you push the button and something happens that makes you upset or confused, confused or, like, pretty much any anything you do with the Lexus N-Form infotainment <laughs> system this is, is pretty much a secret feature. Like, I've never been able to replicate <laughs> anything I've done in that car, in any of those cars with that little mouse thing. I remember – Using uh, so you can set it has a little for those of you who've never driven this you're lucky but um, you can choose used to be able to choose between a terrible mouse or a terrible <laughs> touchpad yeah. in the end form and on the terrible touchpad you could set the this was back when haptic feedback which is like when a, something pushes back when you touch it that was the big thing in the auto industry so Lexus made it adjustable on their little touchpad and you could set it to like zero or like 10 and if you set it to 10 it pushed back so hard when you made a menu selection it bounced your finger off of the touchpad <laughs> it was that bad which made an already difficult system to use impossible to use <laughs> that uh, I know exactly what you mean that's such a ridiculous amount and that that you're, I agree everything you do in that car cannot be replicated it's a complete it's a complete it's it's luck if you got it's like anything. you're having a seance with the, like the the infotainment system and you're like you, you light some candles and your friend like cuts their finger and you like write what you want in blood and it's like XM56 and you're like well I wanted 45 but I guess we're listening to 56 now and like, that's just what happens that's and now right. you're a country music fan it's like it's it's so insidious. But remember, that's what cars character cars have character by by offering this kinds of thing. So they're not quite right. That's character to some people. Is that what it is? That what it is? Not quite right. <laughs> is that the tagline for the Mark Levinson audio system and a not quite right interface? <laughs> we tested this for six months in a in a secret laboratory to make sure it would confuse and confound the elderly and young people alike. Uh, well, I think all I, I honestly think all um, Audis should have a hidden uh, button uh, that recalls a baj- the power of bees, specific, specifically smart bees from their smart bee their smart hobos beehive. It should just channel all of these bees. I don't know what I would do with that power. I would point I would... them at other motorists. Yeah, oh God, the bees! Exactly. But exactly. the bees. I mean, what else? I don't understand. Bees are, if you could direct bees as a weapon, you would rule the world. You think that it's just, it's that easy? I'm not saying it's that easy. I'm just, well, I'm not. Does that sound easy to you? What are you like, Doctor Doolittle? You can somehow you what? can communicate with bees now. I've seen all so many of these things on like uh, at the circus with these guys with these beer these bee beards. Like you've seen a lot of bee beards. How many bee beards have you actually seen in your probably life? two maybe. <laughs> <laughs> First of all, a bee beard is so freaking magnificent that you would not forget if you had seen one. You would know exactly how many bee beards you've seen with your own eyes. All right, two. Perfectly. Okay, all right. You could just totally lie, too, because I have no way of knowing. So I I accept your answer. It's uh, and and that guy's not using it to take over the world. He's just enjoying his. uh, his He's just hoping he doesn't sneeze. (laughs) Yeah. Um. But yeah, smart hobos in your car. That maybe that's what they've been working on this whole time. Or maybe What about what about a button that takes you to the moon? 
Oh, that would be a bit much, right? I guess uh, you, you know, you know, if Neil Armstrong at the door of the of the Eagle when it had landed on the moon had looked over at Buzz Aldrin, <laughs> the second man on the moon, and I just want to remind everyone that second comes right after first. Yes. Um, if he'd looked over at Buzz Aldrin, the second man on the moon, and said, "This is a bit much, Buzz," where do you think we'd be today? Um. I, I'm not sure. I don't think we'd, we'd be driving Mitsubishis around, I guess. If North Korea's leader had looked at his cadre of scientists and engineers, yeah. and when they had told them it's difficult to create a missile that will destroy the moon, if he had just said, that sounds like a bit much, where do you think North Korea would be today? <laughs> it's a tough question to ask, man. I'm not ready to answer that. I'm not ready to answer this. This no one has an answer to that question. Do you think? I'm sure somebody does. Well, we'll take to Twitter later. Doubtful. Um, what about a what about a, a feature for a car that talks to you like that? That tell that brings up the, all of these that like brings up your insecurities. Yes, all these <laughs> in, existential insecurities. It's a hidden feature. So, like, how about it's not exactly a button? It's like, let's say you use the... It's like the Konami code for Nintendo. Oh, yeah. Where you have to do, like, a sequence of things. Like, yeah. you have to... Let's say you hit the, the left turn signal, like, three times in a row, and you've gone around in a circle. And the car's like, hmm, hey, hey, buddy. Hey, uh, are you kind of wandering in life? Are you kind of wondering where you should be and not sure even where you are right now? And, like, it, 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 it reads it out to you in a robotic voice, so it comes out like, Hey, buddy, are you not sure where you should be? It's not even, like, a Stephen Hawking voice. It's, like, it's like a British-accented female voice that's that could be perfect but isn't. Um, speaking of that, though, like, I love this idea of the, of the Konami code, and I actually forgot that there are some cars that have this function. Have you heard of this? Tell me have more. You Tell it? me more. Okay, the Polestar, I know that you love Volvos, and we're always talking, we're going to change our oh name my to the goodness. unnamed Vol- Volvo. They Vol- don't even sponsor our No one sponsors our podcast, and yet we give them so much lip service. <laughs> okay, the Polestar vehicles from uh, Volvo, that's the S and the V60 Polestar, they have a hidden Sport Plus mode. So remember we were talking about this uh, obvious sport mode? This has the non-obvious sport mode. This is how it works. You turn does it actually the- turn off? Uh, does it actually dial back traction control? Uh, I'm... Not sure. Let me look at, into it for a second. But here's what it does. It, um, this is how you turn it on. You turn the car on and you press the brake. You hit the sport button and then with your right hand, push the transmission lever forward and hold it there. Then with your left hand, pull the downshift paddle twice. What's my tongue doing? <laughs> your tongue is waggling in excitement. Um, as a result the car gets this orange S on the dashboard it blinks twice and that's sport plus mode so what happens is it keeps your RPMs over 4000 RPM um, and it will never let the car it'll it'll hold the the red line every single time and will never let the car get below that so every time you go below that it'll downshift for you Um, which is pretty slick I guess so you know what else does that? tell me a manual transmission. That's right, and none of these cars are offered with a manual transmission. Thank you for getting my hopes up that you had another neato hidden feature in a car. That could I'm trying you- to think of like a, I know that in in the Chrysler, um, in the uh, the Challenger and the Charger, the non SRT models. Yeah. If you like push the traction control button, and then push it again and hold down on it, you still can't turn off traction control. <laughs> so I don't know if that's a hidden feature. <laughs> 
what but it's is, definitely something. What are the either one of the Ford or GM products? If you if you like quickly tap the traction control button twice, you get like a special traction mode or something. Yeah, I think uh, I think the Mustangs do that. Um, I, I know in the in the Corolla and some other Toyotas, if you push the traction control button to turn it off, and then you enter a situation where you encounter wheel spin, a second icon. <laughs> lights up beside the first traction control icon so you have one that's on all the time saying it's off and then an identical icon right beside it comes on and flashes and says hey guess what it's not really off so that's kind of a hidden feature because you don't know it's going to happen until the worst possible time that's really funny i love that um there was another a- another another hidden feature one last one is mm-hmm. the traction control button for the vault is on the roof <laughs> And I got a Volt stuck at a snowbank once. Okay. I parked, I came back, I couldn't get it out. And in an electric car, um, it, there's no spin. When when the car encounters wheel spin, it cuts the motor. Yeah, it doesn't do anything. <laughs> it does, you don't have you don't have inertia really to deal with, so it's right. not a, it's not a problem. Um, so you can't you're you're screwed. And I I, I called OnStar because I had no idea where the button was. This is the first time I'd driven a Volt, and I'm on hold with OnStar because OnStar didn't know where the button was either. And the 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 OnStar button is on the is on the 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 mirror. Right. And I'm looking at the mirror, looking at the mirror. My eyes like wander up to the ceiling, and beside the sunroof button, which I haven't touched because it's winter, is the traction control button. So I don't know who thought that was a good idea, but that's a hidden feature. Um, another hidden feature I remember with the GT, the Porsche 911 GT3. Uh, that's the one with the uh, dual clutch transmission. If you pull both paddles at the same time, it like engages the clutch, so you can kind of clutch drop the car if you really wanted to, or you can... or like rev at somebody at a light. I've <laughs> yeah. always wanted that feature in a in a PDK, so that that's a great feature. It's a it's a fantastic feature. That's that's such a those are such strange features that make no sense. There's another hidden feature in the uh, Ford Focus RS. Uh, you know, everyone knows it has a drift mode, right? Right. So basically, it it allows you to kind of hoon around in a parking lot or whatever. But what most people don't know is that that drift feature also is a feature that incinerates extremely expensive tires that come standard with the car. So yes. while you're using drift mode, you're also spending a whole lot of money, <laughs> and it's completely invisible to you unless you're look unless it, you can sometimes see it appear in the form of smoke, but it doesn't really hit until you actually look at your tires and see that you've worn them down and you've just spent two thousand dollars. Ford has done this in the past. Uh, I mean, before the RS with the Mustang GT with the line lock. You can do you do the same thing. It, it it does the exact same thing. You put the line lock. You start losing uh, tire, and you have to replace it sooner. It's great. Exactly, and you can be that guy at the drag strip who's doing a burnout in street tires because he thinks that somehow that warms up a tire compound and gives him more grip when it's actually doing the exact opposite. So, um, yeah. this is another thing you want to talk about hidden hidden items. The what about the Dodge Hellcat? The Do- doesn't the Dodge Hellcat have a hidden intake in one of the headlights? Well, it's not really hidden. You can put your fist in it. Right, <laughs> I mean, but it's like incorporating the design of the car, especially when the regular Dodge Challenger um, doesn't have that feature, right? I think the Challenger TA has that feature now. Ooh. And I think it has two of them. But what? I don't know why I think that. Yeah, I don't know Ooh. why I think that. But that is a cool that is a cool feature, and it's functional, which makes it even cooler. Right, which is rare, actually. It's rare. Yes. <laughs> it's always really non-rare uh, features in these cars. <laughs> uh, I mean, not yeah, non-functional features in these cars. Um, 
I can't. I'm thinking of some other ones. I I love that. I I would love to know if there was a way to like. I remember some cars. If you like hold the AC or some the AC button, like something what? would actually happen. I can't remember what it was. Wait, what, it was what could possibly happen? It, it like it like max. Maybe that's how you do like full max AC or something like that's, that. So that doesn't seem like a hidden feature. That seems like a poor design. <laughs> <laughs> like if you have to. If you have to guess at how to get max AC, or if it's hit, like not labeled, not labeled buttons, not a hidden feature. <laughs> um, BMW owners might not know that their cars um, on uh, they have a little lever that you can nudge up or down that will indicate whether you're turning left or right. Oh yeah, I hear that's optional on most BMWs though. I don't. I hear you don't always get that. Uh, now we're being mean to we're being stereotypically mean to BMW. Is uh, that is driving. that like the one dollar passenger seat feature in the in the Hellcat? Or, <laughs> yeah. Sorry, the the Demon. Yes, it's just this one thing. Yeah. Um, what the, else? the Demon has the Demon has an additional uh, hidden feature that most people don't know about it. Right. The minute you buy it, your insurance rates triple. Oh yeah. And you don't have to do anything. It's, that is a very interesting <laughs> feature. They will call you. <laughs> what about the uh, Jeep Wrangler and the ability to remove all that? You can remove the doors. You can also put them back on. <laughs> <laughs> Unless you're over 45 and male. You can remove... Then the force field <laughs> yeah. interrupts the ability to put those doors back on. Yes, and you're just, you just look like an idiot in the rain <laughs> with this... <laughs> With this door off your regular. <laughs> oh man. Uh, um, Good times. That's that's my feature on that. I love. What about you know Tesla's full of their their cars are full of like weird uh, tweaks. Um, I believe you can change the navigation or the the um, what is it? It's the you know that screen that shows you which of your safety features are on. Um, it will show you the road as the Rainbow Road from Mario Kart. Or you can change it so that your car looks like the Lotus, the submarine Lotus in J- one of those James Bonds. You know, uh, in the in the in most Chryslers with UConnect navigation, you can change the icon um, oh, yeah. of your vehicle, and you can choose a Viper. You can choose like a little truck. I think you can choose a spaceship too. I see you can choose a Willys in some of the Jeeps, right? Like a really yeah, old it, like uh, CJ or something. And it's cool. I mean, they look like they're three dimensional and they look like little Monopoly pieces, right. which is pretty neat. I mean, it's that that's a fun hidden feature. Yeah, I like the even, rest of it. Even the kids can like it. Oh, I have another hidden feature for you. Yeah. Uh, speaking of kids, so <laughs> the Honda Odyssey comes <laughs> with it. <laughs> it comes with a a, uh, a video system for the rear seat, and uh, the system uh, it has a streaming service, I believe. I can't remember the name of the streaming service, yeah. but when it was launched, someone was uh, going through the various categories of content that you could stream like over the internet to your to your Honda minivan and it's alphabetical <laughs> so they were like drama erotica foreign films and they were like wait a minute and they went back to erotica and there's a whole selection of softcore and hardcore porn I heard that you this. could pay I, I heard about this this first of all this, the the source is called epics that's the name of the, of Ep- the of or epics probably or maybe epics. epics and here comes up some of the movies on yeah, Epix, um, the in the erotic section, uh, Kinky Kong, Gladiator Eroticus, and Lord of the G-Strings. So, so naturally, most children, while extremely curious about the world, probably aren't going to be exposed to that until they're adults. And uh, so, Epix, there was a frantic consultation between Honda and Epix at the event, 
and the, the bottom line is you can't actually view this content unless you subscribe and pay for it. So it's not like a kid's going to accidentally watch erotica unless you want to watch erotica in the van and have paid for that ability. <laughs> but they're going to remove it. They're going to they've actually I believe they've actually removed it and now it's no longer there. And the funny thing is, like, they, they couldn't watch it, but they could see the titles and whatnot. And that, that I mean, if I was a kid, I remember having awkward questions with my parents and conversations about, like, we'd be watching a movie and, like, something would happen in the movie that I didn't understand. And then I would ask a question and it was, like, terribly awkward. And my parents are very open people. And uh, I can't imagine how, you know, having to have that conversation in a modern context about pornography, which is not something I encountered until my teenage years. <laughs> Who wants to watch Lord of the G-Strings? I mean, that kind of sounds like a fun thing to watch if you're a kid. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. It doesn't sound like a terrible movie. <laughs> that is a great... Uh, so I wish... Imagine you could figure that out and, like, and like what would... The, they, they, they've now just, like, removed all the access to it. So there's no way you can get it back now. Well, I'm, I'm sure there's a way, but you have to be very deliberate about it. The important thing is your kids can't accidentally watch porn in your car while you've left them inside, while you go inside, do grocery shop, and didn't put the windows down. And anyway. <laughs> yeah. A little too real there. A little, too many flashbacks. Hey, we survived. It's okay. Hey, hey, she propped a life-size inflatable clown in the passenger seat so it looked like there was an adult present. Come on. Come on. Show me the law. Yeah, exactly. Nothing technically you didn't do anything wrong, but technically no one's permanently damaged. Yeah. <laughs> technically those brain scans came back clean, but it was a different era and they didn't know what they were looking for, Sammy. <laughs> I I know. If we were to do the modern brain scan, it might show it might I'm be able to pinpoint this exact moment. I'm afraid to. Yeah, me too, man. Um I think that's all I got. I want to know there's another feature in Hyundai so let, let me just explain. I love the, the hidden badge trunk release, but have you also experienced the unneeded, unnecessary ba trunk opening feature? Which is uh, when, the one where like you stand beside it and it just pops open randomly? Yeah, you have to stand beside it for like two or three seconds and then it opens. It just goes, hey, it's time to open. So it's not just Hyundai that has that. A bunch of cars have, have recently been doing that and it scares the crap out of me sometimes because sometimes I'm just standing beside the trunk waiting to cross the street <laughs> And it pops open, and I don't know what's going on. I don't know if it's like, again, to go. I don't. I hate to go back to the clown well, but I'm worried it's like one of those prank shows where like a whole bunch of clowns are gonna come out of the back and like put me in the trunk and then drive off. I don't know what's gonna. Basically, my life's out of control, and I don't always know what's gonna happen. And yeah, this unpredictable trunk opening is definitely not helping your cause. No, it's not helping anyone's cause. I agree with you there, uh, Ben. I think that's that's time to call it uh, a show. So let's, before we say goodbye to all of our listeners, why don't we encourage them to listen to some of our past podcasts. Uh, last week's one was a lot of fun. We got a lot of reception from that one. Um, and if you want to listen to us for now, you can hear us on SoundCloud at the Unnamed Automotive Podcast. Or a more reliable way to get there is unnamedautomotivepodcast.com, which will take you to wherever our podcast might be hosted in the future. That's right. Uh, you can also find us on iTunes and Google Play Music. Uh, and the, love Facebook. And yes, on Facebook. You can obviously search for us there and you can catch up with all of the cool cars that we're driving um, right there. Or you can pose us some questions or get in touch with us really easily. Otherwise, I suggest getting in touch with us through Twitter. You can find me at Sammy underscore hat. Like you're laughing or the, the noise that you make when you hear Ben's childhood trauma. Um, additionally, you can reach Ben at Hunting, ben, uh, Hunting Benjamin. 
That is correct. And um, we hope to hear from you. We always like to have questions and comments about the podcast. And if there's anything you want us to talk about, that's the way to do it. All right. Should we leave them with a little teaser for what uh, we're doing next week? Actually, aren't you on vacation? Uh, you know what? We probably have time to squeeze in one. Okay. Uh, on the same day as we did today. Okay. But um, I'm going to be driving the Dodge Demon, which is a wheel-standing street-legal drag car, mm-hmm. and I'm going to be driving at an Indianapolis uh, raceway, which is pretty awesome. I've never been there, and I'm looking forward to that. I'll also be driving the Durango SRT on the same racetrack. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> that's, that's a good a, comparison. That's good contrast. It is, back-to-back. I'll be doing that. Uh, look for those stories on autoguide.com. And uh, that's then Sammy's right. I'm gonna hit vacation. I'm gonna be driving a uh, a G90, a Genesis G90, uh, taking a road trip on the, in that for vacation, and that that should be fun. And that's a great car for that. Uh, I'll be driving a Infiniti Q50 in Nashville, um, which I'm very excited about because I've never been to Nashville before, and uh, I've always been a really uh, big fan of the Infiniti, and I think they finally made some uh, adjustments to it that will make it really competitive. Um, and I'll also have a Mazda 6 in town as well. So I can't wait to drive those two cars and report back them next week. So be sure to catch up with us then. Thank you, everybody. Thank you for listening. Thanks. Bye.